Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panunto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how is it going? It's going awesomely, Nick. How are you? I'm doing just great. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to us all. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> um, I was visited by three ghosts last night, and uh, they seem to have their calendar confused. <laughs> That's why didn't Why didn't Charles Dickens make any Easter stories? He might have. I don't know his catalog. There's no such thing as getting into the Easter spirit. What's his one about the Christmas story called? The Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Yeah, why aren't there no Easter? Yeah, my son my son asked me today. He says um he got a harmonica from his grandma and and he's like, "Here daddy, play the harmonica. Play us an Easter carol." <laughs> I was like, "There are, that, that's that's not a thing. There are uh, there's the, there's like here comes Peter Cotton." I was going to say, "That's it. Hoppity Easter's on yeah. its way. That's that's all there is." Yeah. Uh well, Matt it's been a week since we t- since we last met. Have you seen any movies? Yeah. Um, so first I saw one movie, and then I saw a bunch more. So, oh, good. Yeah, I saw... So here's what I'm going to be covering this week. Uh-huh. R- Rosemary's Baby. Oh. Assassination Nation. Oh. Suspiria. Oh, no way. Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, you finally saw that. Yeah. And the nice guys. Oh, okay. Uh, I saw two movies. Cool. I saw the Chipmunk Adventure from 1987, huh. and uh, a documentary that came out not too long ago called Free Solo, huh. which is uh, about a guy who who's going to climb this mountain in Yosemite National Park. Oh, right. Yeah, I've heard about that. Uh, right. So why don't you start? Because you've got a lot on your plate. No kidding. Um, some of these I'll go through a little more quickly than others because tell you what. In fact, I will start with the one that I have the least to say about. And then you uh-huh. can decide whether you want to hear another before doing one of yours. Um, Suspiria. Okay. Now, before you start, did you watch the one from 2018 or the one from the 70s? I watched the one from 2018. Okay. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this because... All right, just go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So um, I did not know anything about this movie before I saw it. Uh Uh-huh. And I didn't even realize that the girl from Fifty Shades of Grey, who is the main character, Uh was in it until later that night when I watched Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh Um, So so I didn't know anything about it. Uh, And then I started watching it. And um, I was watching this with Karina and her roommate, and uh, for a huge chunk of it, because we were watching this in a certain way that it was available to us for free. I won't get into more details than that, (laughs) but I will say that uh, I we did not know whether or not there should be subtitles, because a lot of this movie's in German, Uh some of it's in French. And the version that I saw did not have any subtitles for either one. <laughs> now, now you spent some time in Germany. Were you able to pick up the dialect? 
Well, I spent some time in southern Germany, and they actually have a very strong dialect. So I had taken a couple years in high school, um, which wasn't the most intensive like teaching. You know, like high yeah. school German's not like high school Spanish, where some people really pick it up. Um, and I'm not good at picking up languages, so that's largely my fault too. Uh, so I didn't know it very well when I got there. Uh-huh. Um, and they had such a strong dialect. I think it was like, cause I was in Bavaria, it would be like learning English and then coming to like the southernest of States where there's this huge, <laughs> crazy accent you're not expecting. Um, so I struggled with it, but the people there would tell me I spoke it pretty well. And then I would ask them what they were saying. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> they're, they're like, Oh, you speak it well, but you don't understand it for crap. I'm like, yeah, that's me. So, um, so anyway, I, there were a few things here and there where like, while I was listening, I was like, I can kind of tell what's going on, but I couldn't like explain it to them. And I couldn't figure out what to make of the movie itself for like the first, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to break this down in a real weird way. Cause usually you'd say like two thirds or whatever, mm-hmm. but this movie has six acts and an epilogue. So I'm going to say the first five acts. <laughs> Um, so for the first five acts, I didn't really know what to make of it. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not even going to say I saw this. I'm not going to bring it up on the podcast or anything. And especially because of the, not having the subtitles, but then I saw the last two parts and I was Uh like, oh, I know how I feel about this now. (laughs) And, uh, I don't think the subtitles would have even made a difference. Uh Uh, so the plot, (laughs) if you're wondering, is uh, a girl from, I think, Ohio, goes to Germany to uh, go to a dance studio that's very, uh, very esteemed and be taught by someone who's this extremely famous dancer. Uh, And then you discover that the dance place has some sort of mystical, paranormal kind of elements to it. And there's some violence to that. Um, things are happening to people involved and, you know, some people are disappearing or some are possibly dying. You're not quite sure what's going on. The characters don't quite know what's going on. And then at the end, the movie just goes bug nuts and you do what the hell. (laughs) I've never heard that phrase. Yeah. Well, you, you'll know what it means when you see Suspiria Uh because it's just, it's ridiculous. And, I imagine that there are some people out there who really appreciated or enjoyed this movie. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not one of them at right. all. Okay. No, I did not enjoy this. <laughs> and like I said, through most of it, I was like, okay, I'm just not going to say anything about this movie, but then I feel pretty all right saying, uh, I didn't like it. Okay. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, if you're really into pretentious stuff, uh-huh. Like, like if you like seeing a movie like, I don't know, like Vanilla Sky or Stanley Kubrick stuff, and then, oh, you know, walking out of the weirdest ones and going like, yeah, yeah, I really like that. Like if you saw Eyes Wide Shut and you walked out going, oh, that was my kind of movie, go ahead and watch it. But if you're uh-huh. like the rest of us, fuck this movie. <laughs> don't bother. Uh, all I know about this movie is... um. There's a a YouTube channel called Red Letter Media, and they yeah. they did they did a um, a 
a review, like a, a long discussion about Suspiria from 1977 and another episode about the the remake in 2018. Yeah. And um, the the guys on the show are are these like if if you watch it you get to know their names. It's like Jay and Josh, and Jay really loves like horror movies. Is he the and, bigger and guy? So, no, he's the the smaller guy with the okay. beard. Um, and uh, and so they they gushed over Suspiria from '77. Like they they say like most people won't like it, and it's like. Uh, a total like nightmare of a movie trying to watch story wise, but, but it's like a visual movie. Like the, the story doesn't make any sense, but the visuals are, are what you're there for. Okay. And, uh, and then they said kind of the same thing for the remake where, where it's more of a visual, visual uh, experience. Than, for the eyes. Yes. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just something that you're supposed to watch, not so much understand, but I think they said that they, I think they said they enjoyed the remake more than the original, but I'm not entirely sure. So don't quote me on that. But, um, but yeah, that's all I know about those two movies is their review. And then watching their, their episodes about it, I went, I don't ever need to see this movie. <laughs> And because uh, they show kind of all the the best parts from it. And I was like, I'm not putting like, I think the I'm looking at the IMDb for it now. And the one from the 70s is an hour and 30 minutes. And I'm like, that sounds doable. But the remake is over two and a half hours. Oh, long. yeah, it was long. Yeah, real long. And I mean, like, OK, as far as visual stuff goes specifically, I could I could I could nail this for you, really. Mm-hmm. If you've seen the end of white noise and you've seen any sort of weird orgy porn, <laughs> you've seen the two parts of the movie that are probably the feast for the eyes parts. <laughs> Isn't there a sequence in the movie where the one girl is like dancing and there's a girl in another room being like bent to hell? Yeah, that's the part that's like the end of white noise. Okay. Um, oh, you know what? You just saying that reminded me of how White Noise ends. Didn't we see that together? We sure did. Yeah. Uh, it ends with him getting crumpled up, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That movie sucked. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I was real excited about that, too. I thought it was going to be great. Yeah, I think Cause we were that's both the movie, excited. Cause that's we, the movie we saw right after The Grudge. Yeah, because we had seen The Grudge. And I don't, you know, listeners, I don't know if we've already told you this story or not, but it's a short one. So be prepared to hear it again. Um, We went to see The Grudge and we saw a preview for White Noise. Now, I, and I'm going to tell this from my perspective because I'm me. uh, I (laughs) was looking at the screen, watching the preview. And I think Nick and I were sitting like kind of in the front of the main section, you know, so like that first set of seats where you can put your feet up on the bar and all that kind of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I happened to be looking towards the screen and then noticed a white figure to the right of the screen. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't actually even believe in ghosts, but I saw this thing and it freaked me out. And what freaked Uh me out even more was because while I was looking at it going, holy shit, what's that? Nick (laughs) noticed it and went, ah, what's that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I think we got so scared that we associated it with white noise and had to go see it. Uh-huh. And then we did. And it was terrible until the last five seconds. 
<laughs> I've forgotten all about white noise. Uh, now I need to watch the end of that movie just to see it again. What was Michael Keaton thinking? I think he was just hungry for work. Like he yeah, was I kind think of at like the time the, he just needed to show that he could do something. Yeah. And maybe a horror movie is a good way to spread your wings a little. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else about Suspiria? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, uh, do you want to do another one of your movies or shall I uh, tell you what? I think I actually think that I talked about the nice guys before on here. Uh-huh. So I can make that pretty quick. I know you and I've definitely discussed it a couple times. Okay. So if anybody's really interested, I guess if there's a way to search the show notes, you can check that. Um, there is cool. So the nice guys stars, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. And basically Ryan Gosling is an alcoholic widower PI and, uh, Russell Crowe is a muscle for hire and they run across each other, um, and end up kind of looking into a sort of crime mystery thing together. Um, and it's, a freaking fantastic movie. Um, I realized today as I was watching it, cause this is the second time I was like, you know what? As I was describing it to, to Karina, I was like, it's kind of like LA confidential, but if it were a comedy and then I watched it, it's exactly LA confidential made into a comedy. A hundred percent. In fact, there are a couple beats that are very, very similar to like this one woman who's like, trying she's trying to say that her daughter's still alive and stuff and her daughter's been murdered and i was like man i think that might even be the same actress if not she's done up to look the same as the woman that's in la confidential who needs to like come in and id her daughter's body um so there's just all these things that are very similar um and i can't i don't want to say too much more about that because i feel like i spoil some things from la confidential um, and you don't want to do that. Everybody go see Ellie confidential, then watch the nice guys, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling both do an a, amazing job in this movie individually. And they both have really gate, great chemistry together. Um, I swear, like if this movie comes out with a sequel, I'll be in the theater, like the opening night. Cause I, I just, I love this movie so much and I like it even more the second time because I realized that the first time around I felt like the third act of the movie was a bit sloppy. Yeah. I didn't care for the, the end. Well, it, there's still a couple things about it that are a little like, um, you know, it's, it's not as bad as like, uh, what's that movie baby driver where uh-huh. you're like, okay, this whole thing with John Hamm needs to just end. Yeah. But it's got a smidge of that. Um, but the it, once you've essentially like I had already seen it before, I was able to follow everything and and just like not need to keep as much track in my mind. Uh huh. And I was able to see that like actually everything hangs together really well. Really? So yeah, yeah. So I would say you know if you haven't seen it a second time, check it out again. Uh, it's it's a ton of fun, like ton a ton of fun, like. Like I said before, you know, I don't really laugh out loud at movies a lot. Uh-huh. This movie I laughed out loud at a bunch of times today, and I'm pretty sure I laughed out loud when I saw it on the plane, which is embarrassing because I was on a plane <laughs> the first time I saw it. Um, so super high recommend. Check it out. Okay. I'll have to check it out again. I, it's a movie I'd like to watch again, but 
I really didn't like the end of it. And uh, what you said gives me hope that it's maybe better than I remember. I, I don't think it'll bug you as much. And I seem to recall the first time feeling like there was a really definitive point that it turned into the end where it was like, boom, we just started the third act. And yeah. this time around, it felt a little smoother, too. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. The nice guys. Uh, all right. So that brings me to the first movie that I saw this week, and it's called The Chipmunk Adventure from nineteen eighty <laughs> from 1987. Um, this movie stars Alvin and the Chipmunks and the Chip Chipettes, uh, who are the girl chipmunks who look just like regular girls, which is a weird. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they don't look like chipmunks? So, no. In fact, the chipmunks don't look like chipmunks. They look like children. They, like, they, they have chipmunk-ish features, but for the most part, they're just kids. And uh, and so that's a little weird. Um, Which is like the illustration style. Was that different back then? Yeah. Yeah. And, huh. and they, look, they look just like you remember. Like, I don't know if you watched Alvin and the Chipmunks or anything when we were kids. But, um, you know, what? I'm struggling right now because I keep picturing Chippendale. No, those are rescue rangers. They're different. Yeah. And uh, um, so this is a movie that I had seen countless times growing up. Um, the, it's it's the basic plot of the movie is Alvin, uh, uh, Simon and Theodore make a bet, basically, to race around the world against the Chimpettes, who are Brittany, Jeanette. And the other one, and they, uh, and so they they have to race around the world, and they they get basically conned into it by these Euro trash Germans, um, Klaus and Claudia, and they are smuggling diamonds out of the country, basically. So the chipmunks have to go to these different stops around the world and drop off these dolls that are filled with diamonds, and then they pick up an answer doll that's filled with the cash that they're supposed to bring back to Klaus and Claudia who spend most of the movie smoking it, which is hilarious because you're never going to see smoking in a cartoon again. And, uh, the, uh, the movie is pretty good. Like it's not, it's not great. I don't want to watch it again. Like my kids were kind of into it, but it it floods back the nostalgia like crazy. Like I remembered every song. There's the there's one song that they uh that they sing together, like with the chimp chipettes, where they're like they're the boys of rock and roll and they're the girls of rock and roll. And uh I remember that being my favorite song of the movie. And I was like, I love this song. And my son's like, You've seen this before? I'm like, hell yeah, I've seen this before, except I didn't say hell yeah. And uh said, fuck yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I know every word to this song. You better believe it. Anyway, and uh so the the plot is stupid and the 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 conceit is stupid, and it's really just like an an animated or a uh, feature length version of the TV show. But uh, the thing that really stood out to me was, yeah, I'm sorry. Is there a Please. moment in this movie where they are like strapped to giant logs? There is over there a is. fire. Uh huh. And they're singing "Wooly Bully." Um. Well, I, I you know I looked up images because you said they look like people. <laughs> uh huh. And 
the chipettes, which by the way, you keep saying chimpettes, which is kind of funny. <laughs> it's hard. The, it's hard to not say it. The chipettes, 100%. They totally look like just normal people cartoons. Uh-huh. Um, they have pink noses, but otherwise they just look like humans. Yeah. The chipmunks, the males look more like creatures because their hair is the same color as their skin. Uh huh. But like looking at the image that I'm seeing, and by the way, it's really annoying that Google changed so that you can't have a full screen image. That's crap. I, oh, really? I don't know okay. if you've noticed that on your phone, but if you look up an image now, it's like you can't make it like full screen. Oh. So anyway, but right now I'm glad I can't because I'm seeing these guys naked pretty much <laughs> tied to these poles. And in this this particular image, they do look like young boys. So that's really disturbing. And I think I'm going to go vomit. But please continue your story. Um, that scene is great, too, because there's just casual racism uh, because the, the Indian tribe or south american tribe that captures them uh alvin keeps asking them that he'll trade them great wampa for wampum for their for their alvin and the chipmunks t-shirts because i guess in this universe alvin and the chipmunks are a thing like they're they're pop stars Uh which is which is why they sing songs throughout the movie but like alvin's alvin's like we're famous but like no one seems to know who they are so it's 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 strange. Also, they live with Dave, the the guy who yeah. yells Alvin, and and Dave is on a is in Europe on some business trip for the whole movie, and he keeps referring to them as his sons, which is weird. Well, because- yeah, I mean, it's also weird that he's got chipmunks that should be the size of his like finger, but <laughs> right. they're like almost up to his chest. Well, they're like knee high, and. uh but he like refers to them as his sons. Like late, later, in, towards the end of the movie, he, they all run into each other, and he's like, "Those are my sons." And then Alvin gets in trouble, which is which is oh, Alvin, will you never learn? And uh, and it's just, it's a fun movie. My my son really enjoyed it. My daughter watched the whole thing. The twins like disappeared halfway through it, not from this plane, but they just stopped watching the movie, oh. and. And so, yeah, if you've got kids and you want to take a trip back in time, check out the Chipmunk Adventure. It, it's totally worth it. I, I'd say it's it's worth every every second of it. Um. Well. Well, Nick, I just sent you an image that I found online here of oh, the chipmunks. I just got a text message. There you go. Let's see. And I want you to notice a couple <laughs> things. <laughs> now, viewers or, or listeners at home, if you want to see this image. Uh, look up Alvin and the Chump Chunk. What? What? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Alvin and the Chump Monk. Mm. <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks History Dash Business Insider, and you'll see a picture, a very old picture of Alvin and the Chipmunks, in which Simon is like up to Dave's chest. Yeah. Um, Theodore is like a little bit smaller than him, and then uh-huh. Alvin is like half the size of the other chipmunks. It's just weird. This must be a picture from like the '60s song where they sing the Christmas stuff. Yeah, because it's he got that. One still wants a hula hoop. Yeah, and uh, 
Uh, that's the one thing about this movie that's kind of annoying. For about the first 45 minutes, or maybe a half hour, there are no songs. Like, they don't really sing anything. And then as the movie goes on, they must have realized, hey, we don't have any songs. Let's just keep cramming more songs into this, because the movie's going to have a chipmunk soundtrack that people will want to buy. So there's just, like, these forced songs, and they're all sung by the chipmunks, and it gets a little old. You know, I'm sorry, because I'm still swiping through pictures here, and i got to uh, ask, like... Please. Are the, are the female chipmunks... Are the, the chipettes, are they, because all these pictures I'm seeing are like upskirt shots of these girls. Are they like sexualized in it? They, uh, that's a very interesting point. They, I don't want to say they're, yes, I will say that. Yeah. Like the main girl, like the female Alvin, uh, Brittany, like she's supposed to be the hot one. And she's like wearing, like at one point in this movie, the, the female, chipmunks go to like a a resort like a beach resort or something and she's the only one wearing like a two-piece bikini and the other two are wearing like bathing suits for children and she's the one that gets into like peril and stuff so like yeah she's totally sexualized and it's a little uncomfortable because she's supposed to be uh they're all supposed to be children and uh that's weird yeah and uh and uh, oh, I just got another text message. You, you from, sure did. Oh yeah, this is when they're singing the girls of rock and roll song, uh, where they're where they're below them and they're like gyrating, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's like that. Yeah, a little inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little inappropriate and a little uh, in poor taste, I guess. But you know what? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I was really into the Britney chipmunk when I was a kid. Who knows? I don't. And uh, my sister's name is Jeanette, which we always all thought was fun because one of the chimpettes' names is Jeanette. So that's that's fun. And uh, and then there's the other one, the third one, <laughs> <laughs> who's who's like supposed to be the fat one. And she's not fat at all. Like she's. I just got another text message, you which sure is. Did. Oh, is this what they look like in modern times? I have no idea. I am just flipping through pictures here and this looks like how they looked in that movie. Stuff. Yeah. Um so like the yeah. so like they're supposed to be equal to the boys. Like they have the the cool one, which is Alvin or Brittany, and then there's the smart one, which is Jeanette or Simon. We'll just call her glasses. Yeah, and then and there's him. the third one, who's like the fat one, which is what was that? <laughs> the chair, and uh, it sounded like a horn. And uh, and then there's like the third one, who's supposed to be the fat one, and that's uh, Theodore. And then the third chipmunk girl is also supposed to be the fat one, but like she's not really fat, like at all. And neither is the boy one, which makes you think, which like makes you go back and think about. Oh, in 1987, this is what fat was considered. Whereas today, if they were going to have a fat character, it would be like a huge, a huge guy or a huge kid. So I thought that was interesting, like a social commentary kind of thing where, where we as a people have gotten larger fun, fun talk, but, uh, uh, like if, uh, if you were to like, 
Yeah, you'll see what I mean if you look at this kid. Like, and he's supposed to be the fat one. Like the whole movie, he's just trying to eat. I think. I think the 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 my hesitation here is that I think you're correct when it comes to cartoons, mm-hmm. but then when it comes to actual human beings, someone could be absolutely within a normal weight range and be considered fat or labeled right. as like the fat one. Yeah, that's true. You know, and I would just say like like think of people like like Kelly Clarkson or um uh Adele. Mm-hmm. You know, and people are like, Oh, they're fat and I'm like, What? What are you talking about? They're but, just not skinny. Right. Right. All right. Wow, who knew that there was so much to be had in uh Alvin and the Chipmunks? Yeah, sure is. Hey, what's that what's that Zack Snyder movie that everyone Oh, Sucker Punch. Um Oh yeah. Have you ever I've, seen that? No, God no. But I feel like the uh, the one that you were talking about as being the chubby chipmunk, she looks like she would grow up to be in Sucker Punch. Oh, that's sad. Because aren't those <laughs> girls like sex slaves or something? Yeah, I think so. Isn't that what that movie's about? Isn't that what this chipmunk movie's about? <laughs> Based on that <laughs> image of them strapped to poles. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, have you been? Have you seen like all the new Alvin and the Chipmunk movies? Like the live I watched, ones. I watched the first one and I liked it. I was oh, like, okay. "This movie's this movie's cute." Uh, and then I started the second one and I went, "Nope, no thank you, uh, no thank you." Yeah. So uh, we haven't had to sit through those yet because I'm sure my kids are going to want to watch those. But um, the first one was was totally fine. I don't think it warranted four sequels or how many there are now, but. Money is to be made, I guess. I think the secret with that is to just keep putting it off until they're old enough to have taste. Right. And then let them see the first one and be like, ah, no, I'm not going to bother with it. Right. Uh, All right. So now you saw several other movies. Let's let's hear of them. Yeah. And, you know, like, like I said, I saw like one movie and then a bunch and. It was like I was sick and then Karina was sick. And so there's been a lot of like, I guess, taking advantage of being sick to watch movies. But anyway, um, Rosemary's Baby. Uh-huh. Now, Had Rose- you seen this before? I had seen it before and I did not care for it. I'd seen it, good God, probably like somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago now. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Sounds about right. Um yeah. And uh, that's probably when I saw it too. It was probably like 20 years ago at, at this point. Yeah, it's probably around the time that like you were working at Blockbuster, like before I was. Did um, we watch it together? I don't think so. But it, you know, it's possible that we did. Um, I remember seeing it back in the day and going, like, oh, I'm going to watch a movie about a demonic baby. And I uh-huh. think I was looking for the omen. Uh-huh. What I got was Rosemary's Baby. Right. And um, and I, so I didn't care for it very much. This time around, I actually really enjoyed this movie. Um, it was slow at some points, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, the acting is not good. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some like real, real poor like timing and sort of rushed delivery. Some of it's sort of on purpose, but it came off as like, Again, like stage acting, like too forced. Yeah. Um, but, well, tell you what, let me let me tell the listeners what this movie's about. Sure. So, a woman 
by the name, name of Rosemary, Rosemary. <laughs> <laughs> um, gets pregnant, as you might expect. Um, and she's dating this like actor husband. And somehow, even though he isn't getting like huge parts, they have this ginormous apartment in New York. Like ginormous. The fact well, that they have the, this apartment. It was the seventies. I don't care. <laughs> like the, <laughs> everyone the, had huge apartments back then. I mean, super huge. So huge that you can never see the ceiling in any apartment. Um, <laughs> 15 foot ceilings. Yeah. So they have this huge apartment and he's trying to get gigs or whatever. She gets pregnant um, or they get pregnant, whatever. Uh, And there's some pretty weird stuff that goes on even in that where like she gets pregnant through some pretty seedy circumstances. Um, And they've got these neighbors who are like these old weird people her real nosy and like all up in her business and like always checking on her and saying like, Oh, you got to go to this doctor. So she starts seeing this doctor recommended by them. And there's a lot of pressure involved. And this time around, um, I really saw this movie cause I wasn't looking for a demonic baby, um, more as Rosemary's experience. Cause that's what the movie really is. You're in her shoes, um, have you ever read the, uh, the essay or the, the short story, the yellow wallpaper? Um, I don't know. It sounds kind of familiar. It sounds like something you recommended. It, it's something that you would probably read in a lot of like English courses, or if you were to read, um, or if you were to have like a woman's studies course that involved any sort of like fictional literature, uh-huh. Um, because it's all about this woman who's, uh, it's all about her, like her being viewed as being hysterical, but basically she's just like a person who's being treated like property by her husband, who's a psychologist and he's really gaslighting her and like doing all this stuff to make her think that whatever her complaints and problems are, it's all her, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's just her not being happy and like, Oh, you're depressed. And it's like, well, yeah, she's depressed because her life sucks, not because there's anything wrong with her. And so this I read a lot more from that sort of perspective watching it. And if you watch this movie as an allegory to how women are being treated, and I, I'm sure that's a lot of what it's supposed to be about, then all this nefariousness and gaslighting and stuff really makes for a really good movie. You just need to know that you're not going to get some sort of baby with hooves <laughs> you know like right. halfway through the movie um yeah you never get to see the baby right no or is there like a just like a quick shot of its face or something you know i thought that for a moment i was like wait a minute maybe you get some sort of shot of its eyes and they're glowing red or something but nope yeah there's nothing no oh, no really okay because uh, i i can remember the same thing yeah that must be or from I, a different movie yeah okay there um, is a moment where there's like a lot of like it is when she's getting impregnated. There's all this sort of a montage of crazy imagery and there is some like goat man kind of thing that you don't really actually see that well there. So mm-hmm. I think maybe our minds have taken some of that imagery and just put it into the crib that you see mm-hmm. at the end, but you don't actually see into the crib. So like the I'm trying to remember there's like a part where the guy says she's like what's wrong with his eyes 
and a guy yells, he has his father's eyes. Right. They don't cut to a shot of the f- of like a hairy, like a black face with red eyes at all. I don't think so. Oh, it's so weird. Unless I blinked. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Um, this movie has a whack-ass soundtrack. Like there's some, there's some weird stuff going on on the soundtrack. Um, but other than that, I, I mean, this is a pretty solid recommend on my part. Yeah. Uh, and it's, if you are seeing it with someone, um, there it's, it's one of those movies that's really great. Cause it's, it's pretty good storytelling. Um, it's really good. Like you can feel the time that it was in. So you don't have to keep reminding yourself like this is good for its time. Uh-huh. Um, it's got a ton of things that you've probably heard referenced in other places. Like if you've ever heard anyone be like, hail Satan, hail Satan, you know, like that's from yeah. this. Um, but it's also really good material for just kind of laughing at too. Like mm-hmm. not because it's bad, but just because the things that are, old in the giant apartment where you're like, what the hell? This is ridiculous. Like you can get some pretty good laughs out of it too. So I'd say check it out and hang, watch it with a friend. Yeah. The, uh, the one time I watched it, I, I remember I'm trying to remember and it's been years, but the, uh, the, the, the who's the main actress? What's her name? May, uh, Woody Allen, Mia Farrow, Mia Farrow. Thank you. Um, like the whole movie is basically, it's supposed to be about her, but she's in zero control of anything in her life. Right. And, and she, and the whole movie is about her trying to gain some kind of control and, and it's just never, it never happens for her. Right. And, uh, I, I liked it, but like, uh, like I said, uh, or I agree with you. Like I thought it was a different, it was going to be a different movie. Mm-hmm. And so when the, I guess, spoiler alert, when Rosemary's baby shows up, since we already talked about it, uh, I was I was like, oh, okay, now this is where the movie takes a dark turn, and then the movie's just over. Yeah, and I and I was like, well, what's the rest of the story? So I, I think going back to watch it again, knowing what the movie's actually about, might elicit a different response. I to think it. it would. I think it, it definitely did for me. No, that's cool. That's cool that you're able to go back and appreciate something that you didn't care for the first time at least yeah i i wasn't too stoked about it but like karina's trying to catch up on some movies that she's never seen that are classics and stuff and i was like well you know i'm willing to see that one again let's give it a try Mm -hmm. and and definitely knowing that i wasn't going to get the omen which to me is probably aside from the descent the omen's probably like it's definitely in my top three of like favorite horror movies. I've never seen it. It's I, I really liked that movie a lot. And it's um, like, there was a a Halloween a couple years back that my friends, Joanna and Heather treat. And I all sat down and and watched the exorcist and then the omen together. Is that the Heather? Who's the expert on everything on our show? Yes. yes. Okay. Resident expert, Heather treat. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and we watched the exorcist and I was just like, all right, yeah, that's fine. And then we got to the omen. I'm like, yeah, here's the good stuff. Mm -hmm. I love the exorcist. I think the exorcist is so good. I I bet that I'd bet that you wouldn't find the omen. If you find the exorcist scary, you probably won't find the omen as scary, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely, it's definitely enjoyable. 
Yeah, I saw the first time I saw The Exorcist, I was a freshman in college, and me and my roommate, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon, and it was on the campus movie channel. Mm-hmm. And it's like two o'clock in the afternoon, and me and this guy, just like with the sun blaring bright in the room, are scared shitless watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a great experience. It was so cool. Uh, and then uh, we had, or I was working on a video edition of the podcast. Uh, a few years ago and uh i don't remember why the exorcist comes up but i wanted to put in the clip of linda blair puking into the one priest's face yeah so like i had to kind of sit through the movie to find that specific shot and i'm like watching the movie but it's like dark in the room i'm in it's it's the middle of the night and i've got headphones on and i'm just like into the i'm into the movie because the movie really sucks you in and I get to the part that I want and I hit stop on the, uh, the player and I, it's just so quiet because I have the headphones on and it's the middle of the night and I'm like, Oh God, I am uncomfortable. I got up and had to turn the light on because I was so uncomfortable. And then I, I never quite settled down. I did that thing where, where you like, when you leave the room and you, the hallway is dark, you mm-hmm. do the quick, you do the quick walk where you're like, everything's fine. I'm going on. I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, that movie still still will get me. Uh, I see. I, I never. I don't hate The Exorcist. It just never scared me. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for something that would possibly creep you out, uh-huh. if, and and uh, it's also just a really good movie, um, The Orphanage. If you've never seen that, check out The Orphanage. I've never seen that. It's. I think it's produced by Guillermo del Toro. He's really. He's. He's connected to it in some way, but he okay. didn't direct it, and it doesn't have that sort of Guillermo del Toro problem where there's no story. Okay, it is in Spanish, but it's That's really fine. good. Yeah. So, all right. So uh, I got oh, two movies directed left. by J. A. Bayona, who has directed something. He's the guy that did Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Ugh. Well, the orphanage is way better than that. <laughs> um. So do you want me to do another one or do you want to do? I would love for you to do another one. All right. Uh, Let's see here. I guess I'll do assassination nation. Okay. Um, Are you familiar at all with this? I am. I don't think I've ever even heard of it. You have once because I had seen a preview for it a long time ago and said, Hey, there's some movie coming out that looks like the purge, but it's not. Oh, wait, Um, is this the one with John Goodman? No. No, that's that's something that's coming out now. Oh. This came out in the theaters last year um, and is on. Oh, God, what did I watch it on? I think uh, I want to say Amazon Prime. No, it was Hulu. I think it was Hulu. Um, okay. So I had kind of forgotten about this when I told you about it. I said, hey, I saw this preview for the thing. It looked kind of like The Purge, but it looked kind of interesting. Something about it seemed Vaguely, like I might want to see it. Um, never got around to it. I don't think really anybody did. Um, but I heard on um, one good thing that podcast that I was telling you about before. Yeah. Um, I I heard them talk, talk talking about um, the purge, and they had said, "Hey, if you're looking for something, because they weren't too big on the purge, they're like, if you're looking for something that's kind of like the purge." But that I would recommend, check out Assassination Nation. They talked about it a little bit, and I was like, oh, hey, that's that movie. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. So 
this movie is um, the plot of it. You you get to meet four young ladies, um, and one of them is uh, actually transgender. But um, I, I mean, four young ladies, and they are the, the actress is or the character is the character is okay. Um, and so, and, and and I don't think they say that right away. I think it kind of pops up once you've been wondering a little bit, but I might've missed and, something. And she's transgendered in the sense that she's a boy dressed as a, or be, being a girl or a girl being a, a guy, uh, biologically male. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so the four of these people though, they're kind of like catty and gossipy and stuff. And I mean, they, for the first bunch of the movie, they just kind of seem like assholes, just like mean girls, you know? Uh Um, but see, this is where this movie is kind of interesting because it does a lot of stuff where you're like, Oh, I don't really like these people. And I think you might enjoy it because you, you take interest in, Movies purposely making you uncomfortable to make you think. Uh And that's definitely built into this. Like if you weren't paying attention at all, you could probably watch this movie and just hate it and then hate all the people and be like, why did I just watch that? Uh Uh, uh, Spoiler alert. I actually really enjoyed this movie. Um, And I think that it's a lot smarter than. I, I, I don't want to say it's smarter than it thinks it is. It's smarter than you would think it is watching it. If you weren't watching it with any intent, uh-huh. um, because it could like probably whoever did go to the, the theater to see it was just looking for a purge movie and like a generic horror movie kind of thing. Yeah. Just like, Oh uh, yeah, I'm going to watch a bunch of people do a bunch of terrible stuff to each other. Yeah. And that's what this movie's about. It's a meta commentary. So like even when the movie first starts out, it's like, hey, trigger warning. This movie includes all this stuff. And it shows each thing that it's going to show, like as it's warning you that it's in there. Uh Uh-huh. That's pretty funny. It's interesting. And, uh, And it is kind of funny. And then once the movie starts, it's like, okay, you've got these four girls that are your kind of window into this world. And it's just a regular town, but it's a regular town where tons of people's phones and computers get hacked and everything gets kind of leaked out onto the internet, like some sort of like malicious fappening kind of thing where Uh it's like, we're going to put everybody's stuff out there and also their names and explanations of who they are and what's going on. And so it's like, there's a the first person who this happens to is like the superintendent of the school. No, no, no. It's like the mayor of the city. Uh-huh. And then there's like a superintendent of the school. And then it leaks down to like girls in the group and their friends and stuff. And so it goes from this being like, oh, wow, that was interesting. Can you believe that this came out about that guy? Oh, God, you know? And like some people being like, well, maybe it's not really our business to get into it. And, you know, they're kind of having a conversation and then it all starts hitting the people that you've met in the movie. And as they go through what they're going through, you're like, okay, I'm on their side. (laughs) You know, like they may have been annoying for the first 20 minutes of this movie, but this is fucked up stuff. And I am totally with them. 
Um, and the, and the world starts breaking down into chaos and people in the movie are like kind of trying to sort of organize against people. And it takes a while. This movie really, really for all of its, if you were to watch the preview, it shows a lot of like the violence and stuff. Um, but the movie really takes its time to escalate. It slowly escalates and it slowly turns into a horror action movie and is only that for maybe like 15 or 20 minutes of the movie. Um, so I, I hope I haven't spoiled much. Um, I don't know that there are a lot of twists or anything really to spoil, but I totally recommend this movie. If you are interested in watching something that has some social commentary, you know, make you think kind of meta, just taking some of the stuff that happens in real life and, and dramifying it to like go, Hey, let's, let's sort of have a conversation in the movie with this. Um, uh-huh. so, and, and it kind of, uh, it, it's kind of like a movie letter ver like, like a letter to, do you know what an incel is? Uh, I, uh, I've heard the term, but I don't get, I don't get, and I don't care to look into it. It's, I know it's, I know it's a right, a right wing. Yeah. It's, it's involuntary thing. celibates. So basically men who can't get laid. Oh, okay. and so this is like a letter to them and to like, basically, I mean like they're sort of like the worst of the worst in this, but it's like basically here's some commentary towards them and any other sexists or shitty men or people who have some sort of insecurity and use their power and control as a way to like make themselves feel better by taking other people down. Mm -hmm. And and it's pretty cool. I, I, I give these people props and it definitely has like a low budget, pretty indie feel. And it, it at the same time, like oh, they they made like a legit movie with pretty low budget here. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Now I'm I'm interested in in seeing it. Um, that's cool. And it's called Assassination Nation. Correct. I'm gonna add it to my movies I want to watch list. Uh, I'll do it later. <laughs> and uh, so. The second movie that I saw this week yeah. was called Free Solo, and it's from 2018. It's a documentary about uh, directed by Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Vasarhelyi, <laughs> and uh, it's it's a documentary about this mountain climber uh, named Alex Hunold. And it's it's his story of him becoming the first person to climb El Capitan, which is like this. Um, it looks just like the wall from Game of Thrones. Oh, jeez! If it was the wall, if the wall from Game of Thrones existed in the middle of Yosemite National Park and was made of stone instead of ice, and uh, he was going to be the first person to climb it without any ropes. So he's going to like, that's what free solo means is to, he's doing it alone and which is the solo. And then the free is without any ropes. Okay. And it's very dangerous. It's very, uh, treacherous. And 
I learned an awful lot about mountain climbing or the, 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 the documentary sets out to explain like, here's what it's like to be a mountain climber or like a professional mountain climber and, and all the, and all the, all the, the, the stuff that comes with it. And, um, I feel like if I was more into climbing, uh, I would say on a scale of one to 10, my interest in climbing is a one. Yeah. And so <laughs> if I was more into climbing, maybe I would appreciate it even more on a, on a greater level. But, um, this, this documentary was excellent. It, it had me on the edge of my seat the whole time. Uh, both my wife and I were like in just like, Oh my God, this is, this is insane that this guy's doing this. And, uh, what I, what I learned is one, I'm more afraid of heights than, than I, uh, am proud to admit. Uh And, and like, I, I say that I, I have problems climbing ladders, like to get on the roof of my house is like a real embarrassing journey. If you ever have the, if you ever have the chance to see it, it's, it's awful because I have uh, no confidence in my knees Uh and uh, the making the transfer from the ladder to the roof is like thinking about it gives me anxiety and uh, because I'm afraid my knee's going to give out and I'm going to fall. And, but once I'm on the roof, I'm like, look at me, I'm on a roof and I'll like run around, do all kinds of stuff. But it's being on the ladder that that makes me uncomfortable. Uh And there's a moment in this movie where they're showing people that like they, it takes them so long to climb the mountain that they camp on the side, on the face of the mountain. Like they have these tents that can connect to the mountain and you just sleep in it, like hanging there. Ugh. And I'm and I'm like, oh my god! Like the thought of doing that is just so insane, and 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 like how can how can anyone do that? And then you you start wondering: Is this guy like this guy has like a lot of emotional problems? Like his dad, his his dad died when he was younger, and his mom tells a story where they're like, his dad was like a pretty good dude, but if if he was alive today, they would probably diagnose him with Asperger's or some uh-huh. form of Asperger's. Okay. And so like his family and his family life, everyone seems kind of emotionally stunted. Um, the guy says that growing up, his mother never told them that never said, I love you to them. Um, but she, she would in French, like, I guess his mom was a French teacher and she would only speak French to them, I guess, in order to the, immerse them in French to get them to learn it. So she would say, I love you in French, but she would never say it in English. And he takes the time to tell that. So it like must mean a lot to him that that never happened. Mm-hmm. And he has a girlfriend. And and ever since he got the girlfriend, he's been having problems. Like he tries to climb with her. She tries to join him on his adventures and with ropes and uh like he falls twice and he never falls like he falls and like hurts his back he falls another time and like almost breaks his ankle and there's this documentary crew that is following him around because he says that this is what he's going to do he's going to scale el capitan and and they're they want to be there when he does it so they're just kind of following him everywhere Mm -hmm. and and and, it, and the whole documentary rests on him being able to make the decision to finally climb this mountain. And I don't think it's spoiling too much, um, but it, there's one point where he goes to climb the mountain and he gives up on it because he had broken or he had twisted his ankle so bad like a few weeks before. Uh-huh. And he was feeling this pressure to 
to, to do the climb. And he's like on the side of the mountain and he just gives up and he's like, I can't do this. He's like, I can't do it. And you're like, well, good decision guy. You know, like, Uh, yeah, you know, like great decision, get off of the damn mountain. Um, but it's just so harrowing. And, and I know nothing about climbing. Like the idea, like, like, do you understand anything about climbing? No, not really. Like, how do the ropes even work? Like, I know they have carabiners and like they run the ropes through the carabiners, but like, what are the ropes tied to? And why do you, tr- like, what do you, tr- how do you, what do you trust when you're up there? Like, are you just trusting the other person you're with? And the carabiners are like attached to the mountain, like they're like drilled in, but who drilled them in? Are you going to trust your life to some guy who drilled in a, a carabiner on the side of a mountain? So like the, the lifestyle of, of being a climber is just like ultimate trust in the people who are into your hobby. And like, I mean, just, just the sheer amount of dedication that this guy has to it. Like he, he does like he, the amount of exercise this guy does in order to be able to hang from his literal fingertips, 3000 feet above the ground with no rope attached to him is unbelievable. And, uh, it was great. It, it was a wonderful documentary. And, um, and, and, and in all honesty, the, 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 the best part of the movie is like the last 15 minutes, which is him doing the climb. And, and right before, right before he does the climb, a friend of his dies f- climbing a mountain, Ugh. like, like a guy just falls and, and it happens. They did. There's like a little montage in it of him talking about all these people he knows that have fallen to their deaths because the, you know, they're, they're all trying to climb these mountains without ropes and literally one bad foot hold or hand hold and down you go. And it's, it's a long way down. And, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a harrowing journey. It's, it's, it's thrilling. And you, you, you feel like you learn something and, uh, and I kind of like, as much as I respect the guy for doing it, I kind of hate him at the same time. Um, like the, the main guy, you're just kind of like, you're really selfish. Like you're, you're unbelievably selfish. And I think, I think he knows that. And I don't think he cares. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of like, cause it, there, there's certain points where, they're talking about his friend that died and he's like, yeah, well, or, or, uh, he's talking about the friend that died and the, and his girlfriend is like, well, imagine how his wife must feel. And he's like, yeah, well, what did she expect? You know, like, right. which is, which is very cold, but to him it's like, you know, yeah, he's a mountain climber. He could fall at any moment at any time. And that's how he sees himself too, is that I could just fall at any moment in it, of at any time. And he doesn't seem to, either he doesn't value himself enough to realize what his loss would mean to other people, or he just really doesn't care what happens to him after he dies. Like he doesn't seem to care. Like if he dies, he doesn't seem to care how it would affect his mom or that it would affect his girlfriend. Cause he says at one point he says, uh, yeah, if I died, she'd probably be upset for a while, but then she'd move on. And and while that may be true, like it's, it's a very selfish way of thinking about the way other people's emotions are in interacting with you or entwined in your, in your actions. So. Well, or, you know, well, I mean, I guess this wouldn't be, wouldn't be a choice thing for his family, but in terms of like his girlfriend, like if, if he wants to do that and go like, Hey, 
I'm going to go ahead and do my thing. I'm going to go ahead and climb these walls and whatnot. So just deal with it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But, you know, like, I, I, I hope that that would mean that he, like, if she were to go like, well, then I'm not going to be with you because I don't want to do that. That he'd be like, oh, fair enough. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. okay, you don't have to be with me and put up with this. You know, right. this whole risk thing. If I'm yeah. going to go ahead and do it, I'm only going to d- date people or, or make friends with people or whatever who would be okay with him dying. <laughs> yeah. And he, they do, they do go into that a little bit where like his, his, his presence or personality is kind of alienating, which is kind of what he wants. Like, I don't think he wants people to be attached to him in case he falls. Uh So like, while at the same time, he doesn't care what happens to him. If he falls, he does try to alienate people, but people are drawn to him because he's, he's one, uh, a rock climbing celebrity, but he has like these people, like this whole group of people that he's always with, like the, the camera crew that's with him, they've, they've covered a few of his other climbs and the director of the movie, like the, the, the documentary crew is a large part of the documentary. And at one point they're talking, the one guy's, there's one guy talking to the director of the documentary Mm -hmm. and they're talking to him about, well, what happens if he falls? And he's like, well, that's a guy that I spend every day with for the last eight years. You know, like he's like, it'll be devastating, but like, we have to, we have to cover it. It's a national geographic documentary. So like, I guess they produced it, Uh but, um, but like this guy and, and the crew of people that he has working on it, like the, like I want to, it's, it's amazing what these guys do to get these shots. Like they're literally hanging off. Like while the one dude is climbing the mountain without any ropes, you've got a guy holding a camera dangling. Basically off the doing the same the thing, right? Yeah. Like the, 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 the documentary crew is climbing along with him, but trying to stay out of his way and out of his like line of sight because they don't want to distract him because, you know, could kill him. He, he could fall. Yeah, exactly. And so like he's putting all these people through, uh, I don't want to say emotional trauma because if he wasn't doing it, they wouldn't be there at all. They wouldn't be a part of his life at all. So it's like a strange, a strange, like, uh, I don't want to say dichotomy because that doesn't feel correct, but, um, dilemma. Like Uh, yeah i guess dilemma yeah it's like a an inherent conflict of like you're my friend and i spend all my time with you and he says the 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 main guy says you know if you guys weren't here i probably would have done it already and and they're like yeah we know we know you would have right because he's got he feels this pressure to perform for the cameras and and he's very honest about it. Like the, the documentary is very, it's very honest, and it's not very. Um, it it, it doesn't, it doesn't it's not like anything. filtered or censored. Yes, it's pretty genuine. It's, it's very genuine. Thank you. That's the perfect word. It's very honest and genuine, and and very well done. I I would highly recommend checking it out. And I've, it's, I it's I actually it. feel more interested in it. Now that you've talked about that dilemma and stuff and even about the rock climbing, because I feel like, you know, like that's kind of an interesting thing when there's someone, you know, whose personal values and interests or something like they have some sort of calling 
and they're uh-huh. like, I have to do this thing. And you like love them for that thing that they, the passion and zeal and whatnot that they have. And it's also inherently the thing that makes it like difficult to connect to them. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Like the, um, the main guy, <clears throat> excuse me, the main guy and his girlfriend, um, like the documentary goes on for so long that they end up like buying a house together. Mm-hmm. And so like the girl becomes more and more of an, uh, a larger presence in her life. And then when he finally goes to do the climb, they have this awkward hug goodbye. And she's like, I'm not going to be here when you do it because she doesn't want to distract him or anything. Mm-hmm. So he kind of gives her this time frame of when he's going to do it. Cause I guess weather conditions have to be perfect also. So he just kind of gives her, they just kind of do this early morning, awkward hug goodbye. And then a camera guy is with her as she drives away. Mm-hmm. And, and like, while she's driving, you can see her emotionally breaking down. And then eventually she pulls over and she's talking to the camera and she's like, I can't believe that could be like the last time I see him or like, that's, that's the last time I see him is some awkward hug. And, and I think inside she knows that the hug probably didn't mean all that much to him, even though, even though he does care for her deeply, it's, it's kind of like if she were to leave him because of this, he would probably get over it faster than she would. Mm hmm. Which is like he's an interesting guy, and you and you kind of love him and hate him at the same time. You know, have you ever seen or listened to the episode of Radio Lab? Uh, I think it was the, uh, an episode called Limits, um, where the people go on some sort of um, extremely challenging bike ride. I think it's like a bike ride across the United States or something. Like it's really, really long. It's a race. And do you know at all what I'm talking about? I don't know. This is not okay. familiar because there's some pretty interesting stuff in there. And it, like it involves them going at it so much that like they literally duct tape their heads to their back. Like they make a harness out of duct tape that'll hold their head up because they can't hold their head up anymore while they're riding the bike. Cause they've been wow. holding their head up for so long. And like, they'll start to have hallucinations and delusions. And one guy thinks that he's being chased by some team of Arabian, um, assassins and like the people that are the crew that are with him, like his friends who are driving beside him in a car or something are like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Keep going. They're going to get you <laughs> like to, uh-huh. to like help him keep going. And right. there's one guy that I feel like you would like because he quits. (laughs) He's like at the, he, I think he quits like twice. Like someone talks him back into it. And then he's like, no, (laughs) you know, and one of his Uh friends dies, gets hit by a car or something. And he's like, you know what? No, no, this, what do I care if I win this race or not? If I die, how is a race worth it? (laughs) You know, like, so I, I would recommend that it's, it's, I haven't listened to radio lab for a long time, so I'm sure it's like, many seasons back. But if you can find that episode, I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent sure it's called limits. Okay. Uh, check yeah, it I'll out. Take, It'd be a I'll nice follow find up it. to that documentary. Um, so like th- this whole thing is, is it's interesting because uh, speaking of limits, like trying to see what the human body 
is capable of mm-hmm. is you know like pushing pushing the boundaries so like before this guy tried to climb this mountain no one had ever done it before right and so like people are and 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 the movie like addresses that and they're like well once someone does this what's the next thing that no one done before or what's he got to climb next yeah and like that's always very like like you, people get wrapped up in the sensationalism of it like like what's next what's what's the next big thing and and the next thing is always something more dangerous and there's a reason that no one has done it before and there's going to come a point where there is there's just no way that you can do it and people will die by the dozens trying to do it in order to be the first person to do it and and i bet like no one knows what that is yet like no one like like there are people who are going to die trying to accomplish something that doesn't exist yet it's like those like you ever see those videos from russia like teenagers in russia that climb freestanding buildings or like buildings under construction and just climb to the top uh i think i've seen clips of those within you know different videos with lists of different clips of dangerous things yeah and it's 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 things like that where you're like the 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 act of thrill seeking and also the act of of now you're watching my video of me doing it and i'm just as guilty as anyone else of of man look at this crazy russian kid climbing to the top of a building he's he's literally doing pull-ups on the side of like a hundred story building that's cool. I'm glad you were able to do that. Please get down. You know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to see you fall. And, but like, at the same time, I'm watching this video. And the reason I'm watching it is that he might fall and, and you'll see it, you know, like it's the, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, is it the morbidity of it? Like, is it, is it the horror of, of watching something? And you're not sure what's going to happen. Like what, what is the draw in, watching something like that That's because like what has people watching like race cars go around a track 500 times in a row yeah i mean it's eventually someone's gonna crash well you watched another movie (laughs) (laughs) i did uh i also watched bad times at the el royale i'm interested in hearing about this yeah uh you know longtime listeners of the show heard me a handful of times back when this, when this was one of those previews I was seeing over and over again, uh, shout out to breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this was one of those, except this was one I actually was interested in seeing and I never got around to it. Um, and I'm glad I got around to it last night. So the plot of this movie is that there's this strange hotel that and it's actually a motel. It's got doors that open right out into the world. So I don't know why they uh-huh. keep calling it a hotel, but um, it, it's got one half of the hotel is in Nevada and one half of the hotel is in California. And um, you see at the introduction to the movie, you don't really know why or who it is that's putting this there, but you see someone put a a package that probably includes something of wealth uh, under the floorboards of one of the rooms at this place. And then you fast forward some, uh, I don't know if it's an identified amount of time, so I'll just say some amount of time. And then you see a collection of different people showing up at this hotel. 
And the hotel otherwise is pretty empty. It's not a busy place. It's sort of like it's lost its casino license so or gambling license. So people aren't coming there anymore to do the gambling. Um, and so it, I've never seen the Hateful Eight, but I feel like it's got a bit of a Hateful Eight feel to it. And the movie itself all over the place has sort of a Quentin Tarantino light kind of feel to it. Okay. So you're seeing characters show up and and not really knowing why they're there necessarily. Um, And going, okay, how are these people going to interact with each other? What's this person's motive? What's this person's real story? Um, They're good performances across the board. Even the the girl from uh, Dakota Johnson, the girl from... um, 50 shades of gray and Suspiria. Uh, she's fine in it. Um, I, for the longest time thought Chris Pine was in this movie for some reason. He's not, not? no, he's not. He's not the shirtless guy with like his hands out. Nope. That's Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) So yeah, Chris Hemsworth is in this movie. Oh, I thought it was Chris. Wow. And I'll tell you this much. Chris Hemsworth in this movie is disgusting. (laughs) <laughs> like, like it, it, he just, uh, like he's so ugh, smarmy. Like he does a really good job of it so much so that like a few minutes into him showing up, I turned to Karina. I was like, he is making me feel gross. And she was like, <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm not happy with this. Um, and I will say this much, the plot that includes him, like that section of this movie, uh-huh. is not great. It doesn't really fit with the tone of the rest of the movie. Some of the plots that get opened up close kind of what feels like prematurely. Um, and it's a little, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got some really weird sound popped up anyway. Um, so, so some of the, some of the st- plot lines kind of end a little too early. Um, there are one or two that are waiting kind of to the end to go like, here's what this is, you know, or here's who this person is. Um, and some of that's a little underwhelming. There's kind of an ex machina sort of element that pops up towards the end. Um, but overall this movie is interesting. It's, it's definitely entertaining. Um, it does kind of have you on edge a bit going like, Oh, you know, like what with, in terms of like the, what's going to happen here kind of feel there's, there's a tension. Um, and all in all, I'd say like, it, it feels like if a good Quentin Tarantino movie were going to be made by Netflix, this is what it would feel like. Okay. So uh, I, I'm kind of glad I didn't go to the theater to see it. Uh, I mean, I don't know if glad's the right word, but I don't care that I wasn't. I'll put it that way. Um, sure. But it's definitely worth checking out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, total recommend on that one. It's not. Per- it's far from perfect. It's probably like a B, B plus, um, but definitely entertaining. And I have no problem recommending it at all, especially to you. I think you'll enjoy it. Oh man, I can't believe that that's not Chris Pine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was confused too. I was like, "Oh, Chris Hemsworth is also in this." And then about like an hour and 20 minutes into the movie, I'm like, "Wait a minute. Where's Chris Pine?" And I looked it up and I'm like, "Oh, he's just not in this movie." Never mind. <laughs> that's funny. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, then that brings us to the moment on the show where we edit our movie ranking list for 2019. And you saw a lot of movies this week, Matt. I did. Where are we going to start? All right. So I will go from top to bottom here. Okay. Um, and I, I struggled with the nice guys. I couldn't decide whether or not to put it above or below fellowship of the ring. Wow. Um, that high. Yeah. Ultimately I decided to put it below fellowship of the ring. Okay. Um, and just above Spider-Man into the spider verse, actually pretty solidly above Spider-Man into the spider verse, but just below fellowship of the ring. Okay. And uh, how many stars would you give that movie? I would give the nice guys out of five. I'd give it four and a half stars. Four and a half stars. All right. And I'm guessing that's a total recommend. Absolutely. Uh, And then what was the next movie? Uh, The next one's Bad Times at the El Royale. And I'm going to put that in between Bumblebee and Pumpkinhead. Okay. I'd like to put it a little higher, but it just, uh, the, the flaws are visible. So, okay. And how many stars would you give it? Uh, I think I'd give it, let's give it three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then and you already said it's a recommend. True. Oh, yeah. Thumbs I'll up. Hit the yes button for that. What's next? Next is going to be Rosemary's Baby. Okay. And that is going to go just a couple slots down underneath as above, so below. So it's below, so below. (laughs) Better than creep, but below, so below. Yeah. And then right below. Oh, wait. So Rosemary's Baby gets, uh, I'll give Rosemary's Baby three stars and a thumbs up. Okay. Three stars and a yes. And then right underneath it, I'm going to put Assassination Nation. Okay. And I'm also going to give that three stars and a thumbs up. I'm all jacked up with my autocorrect here. I don't know how to Assassination is a different word or difficult word. It's like ass and then ass and then in a tie on. Uh, All right. Uh, You're going to have to repeat yourself. How many stars? I said ass. (laughs) Um, No, I'm going to give that one three stars and a thumbs up. Three stars and a thumbs up. Okay. And then uh, you had another one, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still got a place. uh, Suspiria. Okay. I'm excited to see where this goes. (laughs) Well, I I had to give this one some thought, too, because there are a lot of things competing for the bottom of my list. (laughs) And... uh, I, at first, I thought it was going to go right above Aquaman. Whoa. Um, but I remembered how mad I was that the possession of Hannah Grace was a thing. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm not mad that Suspiria exists. It probably thinks it's better than it is. Or who knows? Maybe I just don't understand or appreciate it. But either way, it's not going much higher than that. And so... I, I honestly, I did have it above Trilogy of Terror, but I'm going to move it. It's going below Trilogy of Terror. Into the 48 spot. If Oops. that's what that is. Yep. All right. Let's see. Oh, so I've, had, I've hit 50 movies now. And 
How many stars? All right. Now, the lowest I can go is half a star, right? Correct. All right. So I'm going to take Suspiria. Let me just check on something. I definitely gave Aquaman half a star then, right? We weren't doing stars then. Oh, okay. Fair enough. But, right. but, but if you go and find our review for it, it does have half a star. Oh, good. That's what it deserves. I mean, if you could give zero, that'd be great too. But <laughs> so I'm going to give Suspiria one star. One star. Okay. Yeah. It gets uh, more than half a star because there were moments where I was curious as to what was going on. I'd say for uh-huh. the first five acts, I was willing to... I was ready for it to end in an interesting way and possibly say, Hey, this is a decent movie. Like, check it out. Uh-huh. And and then no, <laughs> that didn't happen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I'm guessing that that's a no. <laughs> yeah. That's a thumbs down on that one. Okay, great. Uh, so, yep. You just hit 50 movies. Congratulations. Your tote bag is in the mail. Cool. Uh, and then as for me, uh, I will also go from top to bottom. Uh, I'm going to put Free Solo in between Predator and Battleship Potemkin in the new number nine spot. Uh, I'm going to give it four stars and a total recommend. Definitely, I definitely liked it. Then the other movie that I watched is The Chipmunk Adventure. And that's dropping all the way down almost into the animation area of my Almost my list. Yeah. It's like in between. I have two separate animation areas apparently that I didn't realize. Uh, and it's going right in the middle of them in between, uh, into the number 30 spot in between in the mouth of madness and Peter rabbit. Uh, I'm going to give it two and a half stars and it's a total recommend. It's a great time capsule of a movie, especially if you saw it as a kid, uh, it was pretty fun. I'm struggling on <laughs> with the placement you have for that, but yeah. it is your list, man. So more power to you. Um, also a little fun fact, Nancy Cartwright is the voice of the Arabian Prince in the movie. And uh-huh. Nancy Cartwright is the voice of Bart Simpson. So oh. like two, two years after this movie made, and in fact, maybe, uh, I don't know when those, uh, Tracy Ullman shorts started, on the Tracy Ullman show, the Simpson right. shorts. She may have already been the voice of Bart Simpson when this movie came out, which is crazy how long the Simpsons has been on. Yeah. Yeah. So probably stop. Oh, and then I wanted to bring up uh, a new corner of the show uh, stuff. I forgot to mention last week corner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this is going to be very cryptic because I don't have the exact moment. But in the Lego Movie 2, and maybe you remember this and you can help me remember, in the Lego Movie 2, is there a moment where Batman is like, someone's really upset and Batman is like, you need to start listening to Elliot Smith music? Yes. Yeah, that killed me. (laughs) Like, like that killed me. And uh, I meant to mention that last week. So that's... I I wouldn't have been able to tell you that it was Batman that said it, but that's definitely a joke in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's uh, stuff I meant to mention last week corner. Matt. It's a brief corner. Yeah, it was a quick corner this week. Uh, anything to plug? Uh, you know, I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again. If you haven't checked out Red Handed, check it out. Okay. And uh, I want to tell you to check out thisweekinfilm.com. If you have any questions about the show or want to get involved with us, you can find us oh. and all of our 
Wait, sorry to interrupt the wrap up here. There, there is another podcast I would like to throw out there. Okay, sure. It's called It Could Happen Here, uh-huh. which is about the potential for there being a contemporary American Civil War. Uh-huh. Uh, and it is terrifying. Uh-huh. Um, but really interesting. It's it's sort of a it's sort of a um, like a like a fictional kind of serial of like here's how the next civil war broke out and and kind of addresses it sort of as if it's happening or as if it's already happened. Uh-huh. But it jumps back and forth between the guy who's narrating talking about his research and things that have actually happened and how that might play out in this possible future that we could be living in quite soon. Okay. Um, and for some people already have been, you know, if they've been run over by cars on the street just for being liberal or, well, let's face it. I don't think anyone's run over anyone who's not. So, <laughs> uh, what's the name of the show again? It could happen here. It could happen here. Okay. Uh, and then I was saying, go to the website. Uh, if you haven't, Maybe you could write us a review on iTunes or wherever you get the show. It helps us out a lot somehow. I don't know how, but it would help the show out a lot. And if you like the show, help the show. Um, And I guess if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. Thanks for listening.